Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. I want him to never win a game. Okay. Of any kind. Simply win. Nothing. He got beat by a guy who threw a no-hitter last year. Musgrove's a real pitcher. You were watching this last night. You know, no, I was asleep by that time. I gave up on that time. game. When the game was 4 nothing in the fifth, I said, this is over. It's okay, over. It was over. Yeah. Except the manager of Mets, his name oh, I didn't want to say. I know what happened. They rub his ears down like yeah. he's Mr. Spock. Yeah. It's just, yeah. What are we talking about? <laughs> yeah. This is General George Washington, and you're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. So for the first time in a week or so, a little over a week, we have Michael here. With Nigel, with me, with Chessie, who's laying down. Makes me happy that everybody's back and we can do things that we weren't doing before. Um, let me first say, uh, by the way, let me extend my sympathies um, to the family of Stanley Stern, who was a longtime listener to his son, Jared Stern. Sympathies from the show. Let me also say that we have a wedding invitation here, and it's from Shad. And he said, well, I would be humbled and honored if you or any of the teams showed up. Let's be realistic. It's in Iowa. And even as the father of the groom, I'm trying to find a way to get out of this, I kid, because I love. <laughs> Look, believe me, I know what you're talking about. It's a milestone moment that I feel reflective. Max was born the year you went on radio. As an avid column reader, I was listening the first day and hooked ever since. The first callers and emails were so funny it was intimidating, but I dipped my toe in with a haiku and it worked my level of fame, some infamy, was once listening when a stranger came up and mentioned they liked the show. I told him I occasionally sent in emails to which he replied, most are tremendously funny, but I can't stand those haiku poems. It's a radio show, not a literary magazine. He asked who I was, and I replied, Neil from Rockville. This is a great line. <laughs> Just a great line. What stuns me most... Dude, I ran into Neil from Rockville. I told you, PB Die. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What stuns me most is the show's ability to encourage artistic expression. The jingles are an explosion of creativity. The emails that go for funny are both intelligent and hilarious. But your most amazing transformation might be me, a business professor with a penchant for finance whose proudest accomplishment is to be recognized for my ability to write poetry in a Japanese style that was most popular in the 17th century. After thousands of haiku, I still laugh and think, really? So sometime late on the 15th, I will find a quiet place among all the wedding Michigas. Raise a glass of brown liquor and toast a man who has inspired me to write poetry in a Japanese style that was most popular so long ago. Really, and thank you. And Christina and Max um, have gotten, well, no, October 15th. That's this weekend. Yes, October 15th at 4.30 in the afternoon at the Mainframe Studios in Des Moines, Iowa. Dining and dancing to follow. Do you think Jeff Piggott, isn't he close to that? I think Is he, he from Des Moines, Jeff Piggott? I believe he is, yes. Maybe Jeff Piggott could go in our I place. Have an easy solution for this. That would be very nice if he went in our place. And good luck, good luck to Max and Christina. That's Absolutely. Do I have those names correct, Max and Christina? I hope so. Well, if oh. not, that's what they should be referred yeah. to from now on. Okay, so I've got a story to tell. I went to Delaware. Michael went to South Carolina. How was South Carolina? Uh, South Carolina, we had some of the nicest weather I've ever had down there, uh, Eric Pugh stiffed me for a round of golf, but that's a story for another day. Hope you, hope everything's all right. Okay. Uh, but I got to visit my favorite grocery store. Which? The New, uh, the, the New River Publix. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nicest, friendliest place on earth. Okay. And did, how often did you play? Uh, play I, played, I played a few days. I'm still waiting for a driver to arrive, so I was going hybrid only off the tee and ripping 40-yard hooks. Really? Yeah, different way to play the game from the trees. Did you... <laughs> So join I don't the, recommend it. Join the rest of us. Yeah, join the rest of us. I went out to uh, Delaware for a couple of days, just a couple of days. Um, I no longer buy clothing 
uh, because I, j- I just, I'm too old. I have enough clothing. You're set. Uh, there's, I went into, well, I, I went into two stores. I never do, it was, I had an hour to kill and I went over to, to the Eddie Bowers store, which everything in the store was 50% off. Every single thing was 50% off. And there was nothing I wanted. I just didn't, The signs you know, never come down, so it's not yeah, a sale. That's I, just the right. list price. I mean, I've got all the Eddie yes. Bauer t-shirts that I need. Yeah. I wear them, and I'm wearing one now, and I'm happy with it. You know. So anyway, and then I went over to Brooks Brothers. Now, I go to Brooks Brothers all the time. No Calvin Klein? Didn't go to Calvin Klein. No. I went to Brooks Brothers just to look at sport jackets because, you know, I, I have to wear jackets. I don't have to. I want to wear jackets on television. I get tired of the jackets I have. I probably have in the closet... 30 jackets, you know, 15 suits. I haven't worn a suit in years, and I'm not going to wear a suit on television again. There's no point. There's no point for me. Um, But if I see a jacket, I buy a jacket. This this happens, as Michael can attest. And, Michael, if you look to your right, you will see a jacket that I bought. People on News Channel 8 can see it. Would you describe that jacket? Uh, Checkered window pane honestly looks like your... Marv Albert in the 80s calling a basketball game. Pretty good, huh? Yeah. Because that's all I ever wanted to be was Marv Albert in the 80s. Now Marv's in his 80s. You know, (laughs) Marv's in his 80s. Marv's 81. So um, I go to look at jackets and all jackets, my experience at the outlet store in Delaware is that all jackets at Brooks Brothers start at $398. All of them. They're $398. The new arrivals are $398. In this particular case, they were 40% off. And that's what you expect at an outlet store. So that's going to put you at $230, right? Something like that. Quick math in your head. That's before you pull out your Brooks Brothers card, right? I understand that. And I didn't, you know, I looked at some stuff. Didn't mean much to me. I saw some sweaters I really liked, but then I actually said out loud to myself, Tony, you have so many sweaters. You never wear them now. Right. Don't buy anything new. So I did what I like to do most. I went over to the clearance rack. Yep. You know, because the clearance rack is not only discounted, but it's 25% off whatever the discount yeah, is. It's a veteran move right there. East facing window. Yeah. Sun faded. <laughs> Sun faded. <laughs> and I looked around and I saw the only 42 long in the store, which is this jacket that Michael just described. The only 42 long. I, I, don't, I don't particularly like it, but it was 42 long. I tried it on. I, there were no alterations necessary. None. The sleeves fit. The length fit. Everything fit. It was $159.99. That's okay, pre-tax. So that was, you know, there is no tax in Delaware. Right. It is pre-tax, but there's no tax in Delaware. $159.99. I'm sure it started out three years ago when it came out as $398, or in Michael's case, 40 years ago, because of Marv Albert jacket from the 80s. I'm sure it was $398, or the equivalent then. Now it's $159.99, or $95. Then you get 25% off that. 25% off that is basically $40. Then I had 10 bucks as a loyalty reward because I had bought there stuff over the years. Right. I pulled that jacket out of that store for $109. And I just felt, and I wore it, I wore it uh, Monday. I felt if I wore it three times, just three times, that'd be my money's worth. What do you think? I just love the fact that when you go to the receipts, it means something totally different. (laughs) (laughs) You can hear that crinkling. So I was pretty proud of that. It's a great deal. 42 long. There's no way you're still a 42 long. 
I'm not a 40 long. It's too tight. So, I mean, I'll, I'll model this during the commercial break if you'd like. It fits. It actually fits, and I wore it. Now, it's a little loud. Yeah, you can't put that on TV, right? Well, I did. We did put it on TV. Oh, you TV. did? No, we did put well, it on TV. I don't TV. watch. Yeah, well, I don't expect anybody <laughs> in my family or my friends to watch. But, yeah, I put it on TV. Um, nobody said it was bad. Nobody who emails me said, that's horrendous. Get that off. I put it on with a blue shirt and a solid color tie because it is busy. It's busy as you can see on News Channel 8. But that is such a good deal. You just can't How pass could, it. You can't pass it it's up. It's not as good a deal as the orange pants I once bought for nothing. Nothing. nothing for is, nothing. That's the gold standard, <laughs> yeah, yes. That's right. But, yeah, for yeah. nothing. Even if, yeah, as you said, three times, so you, your punch card is done once. I don't once. wear the orange pants, though. They're out at the beach. I don't wear them. But, I got another pair of orange pants here. Um, oh, no, the ones that I have here are the, the original corduroys. ones, the sun-faded ones. The sun, oh, yeah. Yes. I can only wear... I. Where can I wear them? I can only wear them on television. And nobody sees my legs on television. It doesn't really matter. But again, if you get something for zero dollars, zero, you have to do that every zero. time. So um, we're going to do baseball today with Tim Kirchin. We're going to do um, picks with Chuck Todd. Uh, the baseball last night, yesterday and last night, the moment. Okay, so we've all, I think, learned this one lesson. I'll be brief about this. But it, all of us who watched... Seattle-Toronto, game two in Toronto, when Seattle was down 8-1 in the fifth and 9-5 in the eighth and won the game. All of us who watched that game, which was the most, we'll talk to Tim about this because he called the game. Yeah. One of the most thrilling things I've ever seen. All of us who watched that, we don't count teams out in the playoffs till it's the third out. We don't do that, third out in the ninth, no matter what the score is. As you saw yesterday, the Phillies almost blew that game. Give them a one more out, see what you happens. Know, Phillies almost blew that game. It ended up 7-6. I get home, and I'm watching, because I love to watch baseball, and I know that young people basically don't, and I think they're making a mistake. And I hope Theo Epstein changes baseball enough to bring young people back. But I'm watching the Astros game. The Astros are way down in this game. Verlander, Justin Verlander, who I love. Six, did he let up? He's a member, what's the, the place in um, Richmond? Oh, Kinlock. Kinlock, he's a member of Kinlock. He's promised to take me and Wilbon there. I'm not going to take him up on it. He got bombed the way Scherzer got bombed. They were teammates at one point. Each multiple Cy Young winners. Yeah. Go to the Hall of Fame. He yep. gave up like six, something like that. So they're out of it. Houston's out of it. I'm talking with the socialite. This game's over, except it's not over. Bregman hits a home run in the seventh or the eighth and gets them within X, within three, right? Gets them within three, yeah, eight, five, something like that, whatever. Could you look up the score after Bregman's home run? And then we go to the ninth inning, and Seattle's got its closer in, and the guy gets two outs but also gives up two hits. And now Jordan Alvarez is coming up, and Jordan Alvarez is a beast, He's a beast. Already had a couple RBI early in the game. He's got, he, you know, he. if you look up his numbers, you Ends say, five. I want him. I want Jordan Alvarez. Eighth inning brought it to seven to five. The seven Bregman five. home run. Yes. Okay. So now you have, you have the tying runs. It's seven five. Tying runs on first and second. Yeah. Seven tying five. runs yes. are on the bases. The potential winning run is at the plate in Jordan Alvarez. And Scott Service brings in Robbie Ray. Robbie Ray is a starter. He's not a reliever. He's a former Cy Young winner. But he got hit pretty hard the other day in the Toronto game. 
brings him in, and if you are a Nats fan, you think of Strasburg, and you think of Scherzer, and you think of Corbin, and the way they went to the bullpen in 2019 and won. And you think this is a great move. This is the, the analogy here that I'll make on television today is Scott Service laid down his hand, King High straight. He laid it down right there, beat it. On the second pitch, lefty-lefty, the second pitch, Jordan Alvarez hits it, you know, 15 rows deep. It's just, it's remarkable. I'm sitting down on the couch. I'm off the couch. I call <laughs> Wilbon immediately. Wilbon's in the car. He missed it. He missed it. It was, it was one, I have no, I don't care. I, I root for Dave Sims, but I have no rooting interest in Seattle or Houston. Right. You know, I watch National League games. Right. I don't care. We're, you were far enough past the Houston oh. transgressions, and yes. you're sitting there going, they don't and actually, it would be great to see Yankees, Astros, but and you're talking about Dusty. bringing, yeah, yeah, you're talking about bringing young kids back into the game. How that game unfolds, you see the power of J-Rod and what he's done for that team. This was the perfectly positioned game of those four to get eyeballs on it, and I think it did, but if you look at the win percentage, before that pitch leaves his hand, it's 91%, given the, given the circumstances. 91? It should be 99%. 91. And I've never seen a ball so squared up. It was yeah. just, it was out in a second. Yeah. It was out in a second. You know, there was a no-doubt situation. Yeah, then and he looks Alvarez back throws his bat. It's a great Primal. bat throw. It's yeah. just great. <laughs> he just won the game. They're, they're going to lose. They're going to lose the game. Yeah. And he won the game. And it wasn't. It wasn't that Dusty did anything, and it wasn't that Service did it wrong. And so what Jordan Alvarez does is he, is he throws down an ace high straight. Yeah. And that's what it is. Says, yeah, I got and that. And it's just tremendous. Yeah. It's absolutely tremendous. You know. But it's tough. I mean, if you're Seattle, to bounce back from that, you had all, no. the, you had all the momentum in the world. You're like, we just went to their place. We beat Verlander. You know, this is, we're rolling now. And now you're like, oh, wait that's- a minute. There's good writing on MLB.com about the importance and the placement of this home run. One of the things they're noting, four walk-off homers when trailing in postseason history. And only two of those four came with two out. And only Alvarez has also came well behind multiple runs. It was, it was a moment. Yes. It really was. If you like baseball. You just go, wow, this is what I like about baseball. And what's, what's the divisional round? Is that, it's best of five, five, best of nine? Best of five. They go back. But now they unlike the NBA, day off which today. corrupts its playoffs by going best of seven, seven yeah, in takes, every single round. It takes forever. It's awful. It's unwatchable. Unlike that, this goes now three, five, seven. This is good. It has a linear progression. Yeah. You know, that's the power, good. like why that first game on the road is so important. Oh, yeah. It changes so. everything. It's really, it's really lovely, really lovely to have watched. Um, do I have anything else? You want to talk about something? No, I think we're good. We'll talk about Dan Byrne. We'll talk about Dan Byrne down the road. Maybe the next time. Dan Byrne is put it, it, it just very simply. Dan Byrne is putting together a compilation of all of his uh, songs, um, including he wants, he wants to sell it for thirteen dollars and seventy-two cents. <laughs> he ought to call it Dan Byrne at the Burger King. <laughs> Or something like that. So we, we, we love Dan Byrne. Yes. Happy to, happy to help out on that. Do you have the copy? Did I lose the copy already? It's so me to lose the Let me just read this. Um, uh, quite often I get notes from Littles wondering where they can get this or that song of mine from the show. I was thinking of compiling a bunch of them, maybe 20 or 25 songs, as songs from Mr. Tony, Volume 1, making them available on Bandcamp for $13.72, of course. Just wanted to see what you thought and make sure it was okay with everyone over there. Of course it's okay. 
Yeah. Of course it's people okay. Will, people will love this. Dan Byrne is brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Hold yeah. on to this other one. We'll get out of here. Chuck Todd, when that- we return, I'm Tony Kornheiser. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is a group called The Saddlemen. Eric Kane sends us this. He says, I'm a longtime listener of the show, originally hailing from McLean and enduring decades of D.C. sports fandom. I now live in Brooklyn. I have some friends in an up-and-coming New York City band called The Saddlemen, and he gets their approval to send it. They're pretty good. They are pretty good. Wow. I would purchase this song and listen to it a lot. Which, which, which one's this called? Sing This Song. Yeah, it's pretty good. It is. The Saddlemen. We'll play them again later in the show. They play in Chuck Todd. Chuck got roasted last week, 1-5-1. and one. Just got punished, 1-5-1. and one. But 18-16-1 overall. Every single person and a monkey are above 500. All people and one simian are above 500. I don't know that we've had that in a while, so I'm happy about that. Uh, do you have anything to say about a 1-5-1 after two great weeks? Uh, my, my focus was on parents weekend at Miami, which is, I got to go see my daughter for the first time. So maybe I can use that. Can I use that as an excuse? You can. My my focus was off. That's about all I got. I, it was, it was brutal. Um, I got brutalized with real money too. So yeah, it was a rough weekend. (laughs) It was a rough weekend. I, uh, there's no more days off now for me to press. I'm going to have to, you know, see if I have to do two shows, make up for it. Uh, when you go to Miami, um, because you grew up there. Yeah. This may not mean anything to you as it does to a tourist, but do you ever go to Joe Stone Crab, the original Joe Stone I, Crab? I, I do. Good. Uh, I don't. I'm. I'm a, so obsessed with Stone Crabs that that is a. I have. I have FedExed them to my house. Oh. Yeah. I'm. I am. You know, when you go to Joe's, the best part of the meal is the fried chicken. Sometimes. So. Have you ever? Have no, you ever I've had never that? had it. No, I, my my so original. I know. Yeah. Um, visit to Joe's started out as every visit starts out. A waiter comes over and says, you'll have this, you'll have this, you'll have this, yeah. and you'll have this. Right, and I right. go, yeah, okay. Sounds good to me. I used to go with Hank Goldberg and the Seas oh, Party. That be fantastic. The Seas Party. <laughs> of course it would have. When Hank he walks in. Miami Beach. Yeah. Yes. When Hank walked in, okay, it was basically a waiter would go to a table and say, you're going to have to leave now. <laughs> so that Hank could sit down. No, Going into pool. Joe's with Hank Goldberg was, uh, it was, it was the Red Sea parting, it was. But there's a whole system to Joe's. It's like the poor regular tourists that have to wait an hour and a half. And then it's like the who you know, you know, and you watch all this. You know, it, one of the fun things my wife and I did, this about six or seven years ago, we just sat there and watched people work the waiters yeah. at the bar. Yeah. And, you know, with the grease, everybody was trying to look slick with this or that. All I know is there's a lot of $100 bills flowing around just to get a table. Um, the only other experience I've had like that in terms of a long wait and really a long wait and is it worth it, and yes, it is worth it, was mm-hmm. Brennan's in New Orleans when yeah. I was much younger. 
And I don't know any yeah. other place like that. But if you walked in with Hank, oh boy, you were sitting down. You yeah. were sitting down. If you sat on somebody's lap till they left, you were sitting down. All right, let's get to the games. Uh, New England still quarterback by Zippy Zappy. Don't know if that's going to happen again. Who was? Who, by the way, is completing seventy-five percent of his passes in the NFL, Mister Zappy? When you Zappy throw the ball is. three yards, okay, you're gonna. Yeah, that's pretty okay. good. They are plus three at Cleveland. Um, Cleveland should have won the other day, right? Cleveland should have won, we think, or they didn't win. They should have won. New England is plus three at Cleveland. What do you got? I have to tell you, this is one of those where, in all honesty, when you, when you get clobbered in a week, you sort of your confidence gets shaken a little bit. This is one of those games where I have just no feel at all. Okay. Um, I don't I, – I, I'm still trying to figure out how New England shut out in Detroit. Yeah. You know, I mean, Detroit, I thought Detroit could score on anybody. And, and I know they have a lot of injuries that piled up. So I, I, I just, you know – I'm, I'm going to pick the Browns because I just like the Browns team better, and it, it just feels like they should they should win this game, but they find ways to lose. I, I, I agree with that, but I would remind people this about the Browns. Last year, even with Baker Mayfield, who people thought was better than he actually is, the Browns were a pick to go deep into the playoffs. The Browns are a good team. They have they, a lot of good players. They're a good yeah. team. Now, you know, you, you may hate them for their ownership and what they've done with Deshaun Watson. I do. But they have a pretty solid team. Let's move to the Jets. One of the surprises of the year. The Jets are at Green Bay. They are plus seven. I'm just going to say this. I'm not going to. You have your own picks. If Green Bay doesn't win this game big, you can yeah. write them off. I agree. Right? I agree. You know, I want to talk, talk about just as a football fan and my own fandom. I mean, my Sunday to get started with that London debacle. Oh. Um, and then and then they just get hammered financially after that. It's like, geez, thanks a lot. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm i with you. I, it ha- they have to win this game big, not, yes. not a nail-biter. I mean, you know, I feel like we're, we're in the Mark McCarthy era again. As a Packer fan, this get out to a lead at halftime and then just sit on the lead and watch the other team come back and maybe win the game. They did this all the time in the McCarthy era. I think every game this year, they've led at halftime by at least two scores and then lost two of those games it's, and almost lost the game against Tampa Bay. Yeah. They're, they're, I mean, I'm, we are aligned in this. This yeah. has to be big. It has to be big. The Jets are okay, mm-hmm. but the Jets are better than they were, but they're not that good. They're not that No, good. and in Lambeau, this should be, you know, this yeah. should be a, a 31-17 type of game minimum. Yeah. Baltimore is giving five at the Giants. Nobody trusts the Giants. I mean, they don't. The Giants are a four-and-one team, and nobody believes they're any good. Baltimore, um, which did win at home late, as late as you can win, because they've got the greatest kicker of all time. Of all time. Uh, the, the day he quits, they should take his shoes and put him in Canton. Did you and watch that game, by the way? Huh? Did you watch that game? I did, did not. Did you watch that game? I did Tucker- not. Tucker acted like he was the best kicker going. He started, he's now like, uh, yeah, how do you like that? Like, he's posing now after he makes his kick. Do you know what his, he's, he's made 61 kicks in a row in the fourth quarter in overtime. Yeah. Oh, he let you know it. I mean, he yeah. was, and you know, and he knows that the kid in Cincinnati is pretty good. Yep. And he was sort of, and they sort of were going kick for kick. I mean, you know you have like a, so, an interesting pair of kickers with the announcers talk about a kicking 
you know, some sort of kicking contest. They're the trying two. to get you to bet the Giants in this game, Baltimore plus, minus five. I don't want any road. part of the Giants, you especially since I've read that their punter has a passport issue and has yet to get back from London. Yeah, really? Um, <laughs> yeah. Talking, what? Hunter's yeah. Scottish. He's, <laughs> he's yeah. still over there? You know, yeah, we won't let him come back to your country. No. Yeah. Oh, my. Okay. <laughs> so All that's right. yet another angle for you to take. Yeah. Uh, take the uh, bet against the Giants. Give Here are the next two games are the best two games of the year on paper. They're the games you want to see the most on paper. The first one is Buffalo at Kansas City, which may be the two best teams in football. Buffalo is now a three-point favorite on the road, so they are dying for you to bet Kansas City. Because you look at that and you say, really? I have to give three against a team this good? What are you going to do, Chuck? Don't you, in this game, you just, I, I'd rather just have points. If the game were the other way, yeah, I, might, I would probably take Buffalo. You, you'd just rather have the points. Because the fact of the matter is, this is going to be a three-point game. I just don't know which side it's going to be. So, you know, is Buffalo right now on paper better? I guess they certainly have performed better than Kansas City, so they uh-huh. deserve to be favored. Uh-huh. I don't know if I would have given them a full three no. on the road. No. So, you no. know, I'm Kansas City in the points here. But I think Buffalo has earned being favored here because on a neutral they'd be favored. So you throw in the home. So anyway, I, I – but I thought three was too much. So I'm, I'm – uh, give me Kansas City. If Buffalo wins this game, regardless of the points, if they win this game, they are number one in football. Then Philadelphia, it's not – Regular season. Yes, they're, they're the number one team. But speaking of Philadelphia, Philadelphia is home against Dallas. Uh, I – I'm glad Will Bond's not on the air so I because I won't be able to convince him this. Dallas is better than people think. Yeah. Dallas is usually a wildly overrated team. They are not a wildly overrated team this year. They're better than people think. This is an enormous game for Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles. It really is. This is a prove-it game for Philadelphia, and Dallas gets five. Where are you going? Uh, it's a lot of points. Five points felt like a lot. Uh, in a game that's in a, in, in, uh, in a divisional game in particular, yep. teams that you face twice, I like points, especially if you're getting more than a field goal. So um, I, I, this is one of those where it feels safer to be with the Cowboys uh, on this one because of the five points. I think Dallas is a pretty good team. I don't know who's going to quarterback the team. Uh, and Cooper Rush, and for anybody who suggests that there's a quarterback controversy, stop. Because Dak Prescott makes $45 million a year, and he's better. But Cooper Rush has done everything you could ask. In, in other words, if he's the second leg of the relay, he kept the lead. He kept the mm-hmm. lead, and he's handing it off at some point. That's a nice way of putting it, the <coughs> second leg of the, of the relay. Nobody ever thinks about who the number two person is. Yeah, you keep the yeah. lead. Um, I used to be a sports writer. I have to think those ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, Denver is at the Chargers. Denver stinks. Denver stinks. Um, this game, is this the Monday night game? Yes. Nobody wants to watch this game. Why do they keep putting Russell Wilson on primetime? They're no he's good. He's been in all these crappy primetime windows, and he's ruined primetime. He's the only game to watch when he's in these games. And he's like, you know, more to 11 to 10s, 12 to 11s, 13 to 12s. Yeah. Uh, Denver getting five at the Chargers. Who you got? Oh, and by the yeah. way, that means three different times Brandon Staley will go on fourth down. Three different times at least. <laughs> you know, the problem with the Chargers – is they're hard to they're a hard team to trust. Yep. Um, I, I would normally say, boy, this is if this is at the Chargers, it's a Broncos home game. But the Broncos fans seem kind of demoralized 
they showed them all leaving the stands when yeah. that game went to overtime. They're, was, they're no fun. They're no and, fun. Yeah, they're no fun. And there's a part of me that would say, that would like to say, boy, this is a kitchen sink game for the Broncos, maybe even for Hackett. You know, there's, there's chatter. Is Hackett like a bad coach? And does he not know what he's doing here? Um, but I just, I, I, they can't score points. I don't know how Denver, and, and if, if the Chargers want to score 40, 30 points, they're going to. So I'll go with the Chargers, but this game scares me a little bit, only because Denver kind of is in a, they got to win. Yeah. Yeah, but you know what? The, the Vegas was in a got to win, and they didn't win. They didn't win. They didn't win. And that's Sometimes an overrated division, and I'm one of the people who overrated it. The AFC West. I yeah, your NFC East rant is pretty good the other day. Yeah, very good. Right. I mean, my goodness, and and you know, with Riggins coming back to the Commanders, it's going to be you know all four teams. Be great. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, this is the game of the week. Maybe maybe the game of the year. Washington at Chicago. <laughs> it's a pick'em game, and the reason it's a pick'em game is because the people in Vegas said, "I don't care." You know, we're not even putting a line out. Picking. We're not are putting they, a line out. Are they just picking? I mean, I don't know yeah. what they're picking here. Yeah. yeah. Who you got? I don't. Who's playing quarterback? Is it Ron Rivera now? Do you um, have to do it? He certainly. You know, he tried to walk it back, but he's a hundred percent correct. And how do you walk it back? You know, he he's uh, he's correct. The the thing about Carson Wentz is if you watch him for a full game, and I've, this is the fiftieth time I'm saying this, <laughs> he could end up leading the league in passing yards and not win four games because in an important circumstance he gives the ball up. Does. You know, Ron Rivera didn't say that Wentz was that they had a quarterback issue in Washington. He just said that the other thirty-one teams have better quarterbacks. They have better quarterbacks. Yeah, right. he didn't say they had a bad that Washington has a bad quarterback. There's just thirty-one other teams with better quarterbacks, uh, including New Orleans, who uses their tight end as a quarterback. Yeah, sometimes. Uh, I I don't know what to do here for the same reason Vegas does. I, you know, I'm going to go with the Commanders because. I think that I'm going to go with the this will somehow they have to rally for a win. And they kind of that this whole QB controversy thing will actually help them make them rally them for, for, for a week. So I'll, I'll do that just to make Reginald's life a little bit miserable here. Reginald's been picking, been picking against them all year. You've been picking against him. Usually, we're usually he's yeah, no, the opposite he's, of me on Washington. Yeah, you know yeah. what? You, <laughs> you can't figure a monkey out. You just can't. You can go to school on a monkey all you want. You can't figure a monkey out. Thank you, Chuck. All right, bye, guys. Chuck Todd, boys and girls, and if we gave you Chuck Todd and Chuck Todd alone, it'd be enough. But we give you a monkey. See the monkey, he's scratching, scratching, watching his iPad, smoking and laughing, hanging with Bud Grant, tap, tap, tapping on his purple attache. Nigel's going to the zoo, zoo, zoo. Reginald's got the vice by too. Sometimes he throws his poo, poo, poo. And he's had too much Johnny Walker blue. All right. So he was three and zero last week. He had a big week. Big week for the monkey. He's nine and six overall. He's done very well. Yes, especially, as we say, a monkey. for a monkey. So when I went down to the National Zoo, uh, he was busy training, just trying to get in shape. I'm not sure if you're aware of this. He is busy training to get ready to try and be the first monkey to swim solo across the English Channel. 
It's very exciting. His coach was there, John Daly, really trying to get him into shape. So it's very exciting moments. But they are, you're looking at me very quizzically. Just keeping the smokes lit? Like what? <laughs> exactly. Making sure there's plenty of hooters on, on station all the time. So they took a break from the training to go with these matches uh, with me. And the first one gave him was the Jets getting seven at Green Bay. You might not think the monkey would take this game, but he showed me a picture of him doing a photo shoot atop the Empire State Building with Weeb Eubanks, Emerson Boozer, and Matt Snell. That tells me he's got ties to the old New York he football might. Jets. I'd, I'd be afraid of the Jets in this one. I admit <laughs> just me, personally, but go ahead. Uh, now, the next one we gave him was Buffalo giving three at Kansas City. Uh, and uh, we've seen him do some theatrical productions in the past. Should be a nice uh, bill of fare for him... Uh, doing a, an off-Broadway production of Our Town with Marv Levy as the stage manager and Don Beebe as George Gibbs. There you go. It's a very nice so he's cast. taking Buffalo. He's going to take Buffalo for that three. one. They're begging you to pick Kansas City in this game. Yes, he just thinks begging Buffalo you. apparently is, uh, is yeah. too good. Now, the last one we gave him was the Pick'em one, this thrilling contest tonight between the D.C. Nanders. Was that tonight? Yes. The Thursday night game. Well, tonight's Wednesday. Oh, tonight. I'm sorry. This is tomorrow night? Yeah, it's the Thursday Who's going to watch this game? <laughs> Al's got to call this game? Amazon Prime members. Oh, no. Al's got to call this? Oh, this is dreadful. Yes, yes. Oh, my. Uh, so he showed, showed me a picture of him throwing out the first pitch at a Cubs game and then drinking far too many beers with Harry Carey afterwards. Tells me he's, he's got time. Yeah, he's going to take the Bears. Tucked in jersey? Yeah, the jersey was definitely tucked in. Mm-hmm. Yes. This is one of the worst... Primetime games ever. Now, everybody has to be on once yeah. Thursday. But Washington and Chicago, what are their records? Washington's uh, one and four, right? One and four. One and four and two and three or one and yep. four and one and four? Yeah, uh, I think two on. and three. I'm sorry, my phone's moving. The Bears stink. Yeah, Bears are no good. Bears are, uh, hold on, sorry. Records, standings. Two and three, Chicago. There okay. you go. Thank you, Michael. Three total wins. Huh, just dreadful game. All right, we'll take a break. Uh, Tim Kirkchen will join us and talk about the baseball. I'm Tony Kornheiser. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Once again, these are the Saddlemen, a New York City band. This is called Out East, plays in Tim Kirkchen. Out East, I guess, means out in the Hamptons. If you're in New York City, Out East is the Hamptons. Yeah. <coughs> these guys are good. Michael, if people like the Saddlemen want to send in their original music or their friends want to get permission to send in their original music, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at tonycornizershow.com. They play in Tim Kirkchen, and I said this. Tim didn't hear this because he's done listen to the show, and nor should he. But I said this at the beginning of the show, that we are all better off and we are all warned and chastened by the fact that game two between Seattle and Toronto ended that way. Because we're not going to give up on any teams because of that. You did that game. That was among the most exciting and preposterous games that I have ever watched. And I watched it all the way through. What were, what were your thoughts when it was going on? Because they were down 8-1 in the fifth 
and 9-5 in the eighth. Tony, I was telling stories about Ichiro from 2001 halfway through the game because the game was over. That's right. We needed to add over. some color <laughs> to what the Mariners had done in 2001 because they were going to lose that game 100 times out of 100. Mm-hmm. And then, miraculously, they came back to win. So now we've had three postseason games ever in which a team came from seven runs behind to win. 1929, 2008, and then Saturday afternoon. And I happen to be at two of those Whoa. three games Whoa. in which a team came from seven runs behind. The Red Sox did that to the Rays in the playoffs in 2008. It was ridiculous, it was preposterous, and it was glorious to watch a team come back from a seven-run deficit and win like that. And those poor Toronto fans who waited well, they waited some time to get really going in that ballpark uh, were really excited, and then suddenly, suddenly it seemed it was gone. You were so human on the broadcast. I mean, we could all, watching it and listening to you, we could all sense your joy and your wonderment at what was going on, right? Well, Tony, how could you not when you've when you've seen this many games and you've seen everything pretty much and then you see some you really never seen before, that's where the wonderment comes from. And I, I was a nervous wreck sitting there, standing there. I couldn't stand still because the excitement, the drama was what it was. And I don't even have a rooting interest. I don't know how fans get through this when they love and care about their team so much. And then you see that unfold. It was, it was great. But again, Tony, this is what I've done my whole life. This is all the only thing I ever known about. The only thing I ever care about is baseball. So when things like that happen, I say it a million times, every time you go to a baseball game, something might happen that you've never seen before. And Saturday afternoon in Toronto qualified. There was it was great. By the way, the catcher on Seattle, he can hit it. That guy's good. I've never I don't know anything about him. Who is he? He's so good. <laughs> well, his name is Cal Raleigh. And I hesitate to tell you this, but I used it on the air the other day. His nickname is Big Dumper. <laughs> and I, so I asked one of the one of the guys of the Mariners, I said why do they call him Big Dumper? And they said, well, he's got a butt the size of a trailer. Oh. <laughs> wow. So, so I went to Cal Raleigh and said, hey, I was talking to some of your teammates, and one of them said, you have a butt the size of a trailer. And he said, yeah, that's about right. <laughs> and But the point is, he's a young catcher, switch-hitting catcher, who got three big hits in that game. He hit 27 home runs this year after being sent to the minor leagues earlier in the year. And maybe most important, Tony, he's one of eight players in history that have hit 20 homers in a season with his last name as a state capital. I pointed that out the other day, too. None of this stuff matters. All that matters is, is that guy is totally fearless when it comes to playing in a major league game. And get this, he's the only player ever in his first postseason game, he caught a shutout. So in game one of that series, a rookie catcher playing in his first postseason game caught a shutout. It was pretty amazing. And by the way, he sent them to the postseason. He hit the walk-off. He he hit a walk-off, pinch-hit home run. No one has ever hit a pinch-hit, walk-off home run to send his team 
to the playoffs. That's the first time ever. And I asked him, when was the last time you hit a walk-off homer? He said, I've never hit a walk-off homer, never, Little League, anywhere. And he did it in the biggest game of the season for the, the Mariners. I cannot recall a switch-hitting catcher. I can't. Well, 10 of them, Tony, I looked it up, of course, because I don't have anything else to do. Uh, <laughs> 10 switch-hitting catchers have hit 25 home runs in a season, led by Todd Hunley, formerly okay. of the Mets, who hit right. you know 40 homers. But, yes, you're right. Switch-hitting catchers are rarity. a rarity, which is what makes this guy different. Everything makes this guy different. But man, can he hit, and he can really catch. So let me bring it up to today. In, in last night, totally thrilling ending. Totally thrilling. Seattle's going to win this game. Seattle's in the position that Toronto was in. Seattle's going to win this game. And Scott's service, and the, the analogy I used was he... he, he puts Robbie Ray in, and he basically throws his cards over, and he's got a king high straight, and Jordan Alvarez hits it out and throws his cards over, and he's got an ace high straight. That was as great an ending as I've ever seen. It it was. What do you think of that? Tony, it was unbelievable. Let's keep in mind, it was 7-3 to going into the eighth, and then... Houston scored two to make it seven to five. And then this happens all the time. We take a starting pitcher who is not used to pitching in relief and we put him into a relief situation in order to get the best possible matchup. And then Robbie Ray, who I remind you won the Cy Young Award last year for Toronto. He threw a four-seam fastball in the wrong place to the wrong guy because that Jordan Alvarez is Willie McCovey come back to life. Trust me, you ask people about him, that's who he is. And he hit that ball as hard as you can possibly hit a baseball to have a three-run walk-off homer like that. I was stunned. I'm sitting on my After my game, I'm sitting alone in my hotel room, and I'm stunned. That's how great that was. So let me just take the very narrow point of view, which is mine. When I see Robbie Ray come in, I am reminded of Davey Martinez in 2019 putting in Corbin, putting in Scherzer, putting in Strasburg, and it always worked out. I take it that you do not think this is a good thing to do. It depends on the situation. In 2019, it worked. It worked beautifully because the Nationals decided accurately before the playoffs started, we have like five really good pitchers on this team, and we're going to use them all, and we're going to use them as much as we can. And that's what happened, and that's how it worked. The difference is Robbie Ray is a, is a good pitcher. Don't get me wrong, but he hasn't been a great pitcher lately. He had a terrible September. He had a terrible start against Toronto, and then he made a terrible pitch last night and got beaten. <laughs> so, Sure, you can put a starter in in relief. It happens all the time in the postseason. But he's got to be throwing the ball really well to do that, and Robbie Ray simply hasn't been lately. Um, this is the greatest week and month for baseball. Everybody should watch. You know, I don't know if they do, but I, I do, and everybody should. Until yesterday, road teams were doing spectacularly well. I think they were 6-3. and three. Um, What is your sense of... Of why it, it corrected itself yesterday. Three home team won. Three home teams won. What is your sense of why that had happened, 
And is is the home field advantage in baseball just marginal at best? It's marginal at best, and that's the answer, Tony. But yesterday, Rob Thompson, the manager of the Phillies, was talking to us exactly about this topic. And he thinks in a really short series, like the one-game wild card we used to have, and then a three-game series, the visiting team comes up and hits first, and they score three runs in the first inning. As Seattle did to Toronto, now the home team in a short series goes, oh my gosh, we're already behind, and they start to panic, and they start to get try to get three runs back immediately, and they get out of their comfort zone. That's the only way to explain, other than, Home field is only marginal in baseball mm-hmm. compared, I believe, yep. to football and basketball. But that's what he said yesterday. He volunteered this point. This is what he thinks happens in a short series. Visiting team hits first, scores a couple runs, and then the home team panics. That's how he explained it. Well, it happened with the Phillies in Atlanta. It also happened with Seattle and Houston, and Houston got back into it. And Atlanta almost got back into it, got a Matt Olson home run. Of the four series that are out there, um, and uh, three of the rested teams won. Three of the rested teams won. Atlanta did not. Of the four series that are out there, is there one where you say, here's the upset? Here's the one where the rested team is not going to win the series? Um, well, I looked at the Guardians against the Yankees and the way the Guardians played down the stretch. Tony, they won 23 of their last 33 games. They had the best record in baseball from September 1 on. And the way they pitched against the Rays, the way they catch the ball, I thought they can beat the Yankees. And I I still think it's possible because of that Yankee bullpen. However, Yankees won the way they were supposed to win last night with Garrett Cole pitching six innings and hitting a couple home runs. So I'm not sure there's an upset out there now. Houston is great, Tony. Their pitching is so good. Philadelphia, I guess, could upset Atlanta, but I'm not buying that. Not yet. I like the Padres, but the Dodgers are tremendous, and I maybe maybe the Guardians can beat the Yankees, but I'm not going any upsets here. I think one way or another, the four best teams are going to win. Thank you, Tim. Enjoy the uh, Philadelphia-Atlanta series broadcasting on radio, and we will talk to you soon. Thank you. And it was, again, it was great to hear you on that game two in Toronto. That was great. Well, thank you, Tony. Talk to you soon. Okay. Tim Kirkton, boys and girls. We'll take a break. Uh, email and jingle when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Your faxes, 
Jealous of Bruce Griffin. So jealous. <laughs> Bruce Griffin, that sounds like Bruce Hornsby. <laughs> so jealous. Amazing. So jealous. You want to do the Bethesda Bagel app? Bethesda Bagels, we love them. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the DC area nearest you. Then pop on in and you'll be thrilled. That's it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say you are so wonderful. Being near you is all that I'm living for. You've shown me more kindness in little ways than I've ever known in all my days. Tell me we'll stay together. Let me love you forever because you're a wonderful one. You're a wonderful one. Uh, I'm going to guess either Sam Cooke or Marvin Gaye. Marvin Gaye. Marvin Gaye, Gaye wonderful yes. one. Yeah. yeah, that's really He could good. sing a little bit, that fella. Uh, <laughs> yes. And he wanted to be Frank Sinatra. Yeah. You know, um, and he ended up, well, his ending was terrible. But yes. Boy, did he contribute to music. Yeah. <coughs> Thank you to our guest today, Chuck Todd, Tim Kirkchen. Thank you to our sponsors, Shopify, Policy Genius, Simply Safe. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play and Odyssey get show through Apple. Please leave us a review. It's, it's tough to like shop the with the uh, with these cold mornings. Tough to dress for the day, rather. Uh, so go online, johnnyo.com. TK Meal Day, all about the layering pieces. Recommend uh, the new Diego quilted Henley pullover. Ooh, like yeah. the sound of that. Well, I might get one of those. <laughs> <clears throat> Size From 42. Dan long. Smith in Middleton, Ohio. <laughs> Michael's son finally admits the borrowing of the snack bar. At least your son acted alone in his crime and came clean. My second oldest son started kindergarten this year. His first week was rough. He said he did not make any friends. A lot of people say they save money for their kids for college. I save bail money for Graham. When he said he made no friends, we worried he was maybe mean to the other kids. After my wife's half-hour FBI-style interrogation chat with him, Graham finally gave her a bit of information. Something bad was happening at school his first week. A kid gave the teacher the finger. After a sharp look from me... Uh, from my wife, it was time to swoop in as a bad cop. Was it you, Graham? Did you give the teacher the middle finger? He said, no, it was a kid named Stetson, not me. Stetson. My job was done. My partner, as the good cop, came back to the interrogation meeting saying, it's okay if you did. It would be worse to lie about it. Just tell if it was you. He said, no, it was Stetson, not me. After the weekend, we picked Graham up from school on Monday. He jumped in the van, extremely excited. We said, why are you so happy? What great thing happened today, Graham? I made a friend, he said. Most parents would be excited to hear this. Another sharp look from my wife, and I knew the question. I needed to ask him. Was it the kid who gave the teacher the finger a big smile? Yes, it's Stetson, he said. My wife was defeated and said, make good choices, Graham. I saw the bright side of the situation. I always saw Graham as the muscle of a future operation. He's clearly the muscle and the brains of the operation. His first recruit is Stetson, the fall guy. I'm not sure I could be more proud. P.S. At my son's school, they call kindergartners kinders for short. And I hate it. From Jason Blazer in either Lake Orion or Lake Orion, Michigan. Hey, Dan Byrne, it's me, Jason Blazer. I'm that Lake Orion guy. Thanks to the tip from Cool Ann Claire, I went straight to danburn.com. Sure enough, your tour date shows Lake Orion on February 2nd, 2023. The only downside, it doesn't show a venue or time. Might I offer my backyard? It's quaint. Cute overhead flights, a fancy solo stove. Cute overhead lights, rather. A fancy solo stove. The yard backs up to Paint Creek Trail, about a 10-minute walk from the heart of downtown. Feel free to reach out if you need some place to hang your hat. We'll boil some eggs. I'll let you have some ice cream over the sink. <clears throat> Isn't that great? Be a nice venue. From Mark Fainer or Finer in Greenwich, Connecticut. 
Nobel time, everyone's favorite time of year. Last week, French writer Annie Erno won the prize in literature, and once again, the winner's oeuvre bears a striking resemblance to your own. According to the New York Times, Erno is, quote, best known as a memoirist, and over her decades-long career has returned to a handful of obsessions, her working-class upbringing in Normandy, the abortion she had before the procedure was legalized, her sexual desires, and how could they temporarily obliterate her abiding need to write, and above all, her shame, unquote. Didn't Dick Chap blurb, I'm back for more cash? (laughs) (laughs) With more or less the same line? I got to drink some water. I think he did. Yeah, it's eerily similar to your work. No mention of ill-fitting pants or large curd cottage cheese. But I think we can be relatively certain Erno is being haunted by these things. How did the Nobel Prize nominations work? Is it like the Toy Hall of Fame? Can we get the Syracuse Mets guy to put in a plug for Dr. Hofwaff? Kornheiser in 23. From Steve in Fairfax, Virginia. After hearing about the Solo Stove Fall Sale in your show recently, I made my way to their site to make a purchase. I was curious if they would let me use the code in the addition to the sale discount. I couldn't remember the code, so I tried a few. It turns out Solo Stove accepts both Tony and Tony K. FYI, among the codes they did not accept are Mr. Tony, Uncle Tony, Orange Man, Will Bond, Louise Gluck. From Charlie Burtz in Springfield. So let me see if I have this straight. There are about two million too many podcasts. Not everyone likes to hear about building picture frames or high school. Most of you aren't very interesting. You may have fears. So does everyone else. Hire ZipRecruiter. <laughs> That's yeah. the ZipRecruiter. <laughs> yeah. Huh? Sorry I got your dog's name wrong. I don't think we ever met or were formally introduced. Regards, DG. <laughs> That's just so good. <laughs> it's Jesse, not Jesse. Uh, from two top songs named for people. Johnny, uh, Chuck Berry's Johnny Be Good and Dan Burns' Victor Wembanyama. Victor Wembanyama was just a wonderful song. Yes. Aaron Hansen in Papillion or Papillon, uh, Nebraska. I think the next game that is played is Little Wedding Crashing. When you get an invitation and read it on your podcast, the littles that live within 100 miles of the wedding show up and crash the party with TK's head on a stick. All the little shout la cheeserie instead of clinking glasses to get the wedding couples to kiss. Brilliant. Uh, Ross from Ottawa, Canada. A couple of weeks ago, I was driving my daughter to university and came across that driver I always seem to find. I was driving on the highway with the crew set at just under 120 kilometers, approximately 75 miles for those not part of the metric system. In the rearview mirror, I see a white car coming up behind me. It rides my bumper for a minute, then pulls out and passes me. But instead of continuing at the same speed, it pulls in front of me and proceeds to slow down. Wow. Still driving with the cruise control, therefore maintaining my speed. I pull out and pass the car. After putting some distance between us, I pull back into the right lane and continue my drive. You can probably guess what happens next. The white car gets on my tail, pulls out, passes me, pulls back in front of me and slows down. This happens a few more times with my anger increasing every time. My daughter took a picture of the car and as a frequent listener of the pod, thought I should send it in. Can you guess what type of car it is? Yes, it is a Subaru. Of course. It is the most Subaru Subaru I've ever seen. It obviously has the required Thule or Tool roof rack. But what else does it have? Oh, look at this. It has two kayaks (laughs) and two electric bikes. (laughs) Yes, he sends in the picture. Hateable. It's hateable. Hateable beyond words. I mean, it's just stacked up everywhere, isn't it? Hateable beyond words. All right, one more. From Evan Alderfer in the Navy Yard in D.C. I know we've had quite a few interesting license plate submissions over the years, but I'm hopeful this one is a top contender. I was cruising Coastal Highway in Ocean City earlier this summer when I saw a Mercedes convertible with the Maryland license plates Chatter. Yes, C-H-A-T-T-E-R. Attaches the photo I was able to grab 
well, I stopped at a red light. Apologize for the lower quality, but I'm sure Nigel can print it out large for you. I completely forgot to email this in until I heard about the license plate TK0001 on last Monday's show. At first, I thought this could be the ultimate David Aldridge moment, and I scored a real-life run-in with you, but then I realized you'd never possibly cross the border and leave your Delaware haven to come to Ocean City where the rest of us rum-dums vacation. <laughs> Unfortunately, I was unable to catch up to the driver and give him the TK salute, but my hope is that somebody out there might know this person who has this plate and they're familiar with the show. Given his vehicle is a living homage to such a successful DC establishment, I feel like we have to do some digging and find out more. Are they TK superfan? Perhaps a chatter investor? Nobody invested in chatter. <laughs> or just some dope who has no idea why a person would take a picture of their car on a busy summer day at the beach. Here's hoping we make a connection here. And yes, chatter, a black Mercedes. It's a nice looks like a Looks like a, a, a two-door, two-seater Mercedes convertible. Yeah. Wow. Show that to Michael. If you're out of your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. Hola, nosotros somos Pineapple Landscaping y escuchamos el show de Tony Kornheiser. Pero este show apesta.
Make a wish in a well Don't ask and I'll never tell Of all those modern sins How could we forget When our time was short And the day so long Just trying to tune out Whatever we got on Rewind to 2009 When I first left the stage